0: It's also important that you make money so you can do better in the world. You could do good in the world, whether you want to donate it, add legacy to your family, whatever. And if you're not charging for it, you are not in that game. You are on the sideline. And like you said, we got to get more women off the sideline and in the game because we should be ruling the world. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller.
1: Welcome to the Kathy Heller Podcast. This show is meant to be a guide for you. I want to be that mentor who can hold your hand through this journey. I know that there are so many twists and turns in navigating not only what is happening in our mind, but also understanding strategically how we want to get from where we are to where we want to go. In this show, we're going to talk not only about how we can start to become aware of what are the subconscious things that are holding us back and how we can instead choose thoughts that are actually going to propel us forward. But in addition to changing the landscape internally, we are going to talk about the strategies that actually will help you to build a profitable business, getting paid to be you. Because when you have a business where you do what you love, you never really have to have that sense of work because it's a pleasure, because it's joy. And really, I want you to have the most abundant life. I want you to have the kind of life that you love waking up to every day that you don't feel like you need a vacation from. So together on this show, every single episode, I want to be your friend. I want to be your mentor. I want to show you what is it that I think has really been insightful, been helpful. What are the tools and strategies? What are the mindset shifts that have helped me? And what are the things that have helped my guests to get to where they are? How can we together sort of cross this river to the most fulfilling life where we show up and we feel like we are living into our potential and having the most gorgeous beautiful experience because after all that is what we all desire we're all craving to have the most joyful beautiful life and i really believe that we can design that and that we can experience a life that we just absolutely love and not only will we enjoy it but it will be a possibility for other people it will show other people what's there for them And then maybe together, each one of us by being the happiest versions of ourselves and being the most fulfilled versions of ourselves, we will help other people to reach for that higher branch and to find that in their own life. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to the Kathy Heller podcast. We have a really good conversation for you today. Amy Porterfield is back on the show and this conversation feels really apropos to everything that we usually talk about. So I'm looking forward to diving into that with all of you. Before we do, I just want to let you know that we're doing another giveaway this week. All you have to do is let us know what's going on with you. We want you to share with us what your dreams are, what your goals are, what your obstacles are. So if you wanted to have a chance to tell us and fill us in, go to kathyheller.com slash share, and we'll be giving away more Nordstrom gift cards, as well as a scholarship to my program, Abundant Ever After. So if you want to be in on that, just go to kathyheller.com slash share, and please tell us what is it that's going on with you? What are your dreams? What are the things that feel challenging? Because we want to continue to make the right content, the right episodes, the right workshops, all the things that can help you get from where you are to where you want to be. So just go on over to kathyhiller.com slash share and answer a few questions and you not only will be helping us to help you as much as we can, but you'll also be entered into the giveaway. Okay. So today, Amy Porterfield is here. She is an ex-corporate girl turned online marketing expert, and she's a podcaster who is now the CEO of an online business that has generated over $70 million. She's helped hundreds of thousands of entrepreneurs to take their futures into their own hands and find freedom and success far beyond the corporate glass ceiling. I had the pleasure of talking to Amy in the first year that we did our podcast, and I'm so happy that she's back to talk about her new book that just came out this week. It's called Two Weeks Notice. Find the courage to quit your job, make more money, work where you want, and change the world. And this book provides a step-by-step blueprint for future entrepreneurs to create financial freedom, creative freedom, and lifestyle freedom by building an online business that allows people to build impact and income on their own terms. Amy is super fierce when it comes to the tools, exercises, and scripts that get you into action. So you definitely want to get your copy of this book. Also, you can listen to her really popular podcast, Online Marketing Made Easy, where she breaks down big ideas and strategies into actionable step-by-step processes designed to get you the results with a whole lot less stress. Amy was a blessing in my life because when I found out about her business, it helped me see that you could really scale this kind of a business online and the rest is history. So I'm super grateful for the wisdom that she puts out there and all that she's sharing with us today. I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. So here we go. Please welcome the wonderful Amy Porterfield. Amy Porterfield, welcome back to the podcast. It's so good to see you. Oh my goodness. Thanks so much for having me. You look as good as your energy (laughs) is. It's like I just have never seen you so in your zone of genius in every way. The amount of ease that I feel like you've built into your life has just now been communicated through your business, through the way that you like, even the hair is just like, you're (laughs) just everything's on point. So I'm so glad you're here.
0: That means a lot. I appreciate you saying so. So I feel good. You know, I decided before I. Launched this book and came into the world with this new thing. I wanted to feel my best because I wanted to put my very best out there. So I've really been focusing on my mental health and my physical health. So when I hear things like, you look amazing or your energy's great, it means the world to me. So thank you.
1: Yeah. And it takes so much courage. And I feel like I can't wait to dive into this episode because I was just saying before we hit record, I feel like the book that you have written is the gift that everybody was actually looking for. And you, you did it. And it, it, it's not like you don't have anything on your plate. You have a zillion things going on, but you're such a phenomenal teacher. I just really want you to know that I say this in front of you, but I say this behind your back that you are literally one of the single best teachers, the most effective, generous teachers, the way that you can take giant concepts and break them down. You're really one of the only teachers I've really ever learned from. I went through school, barely scraped by, and your course, I took it six years ago. And look at my life. I mean, really, like, I should just fully just be your ambassador. And that's all I should do. Cause it is like I sing your praises to the hilltops because of the way that you teach. It is generous, it is so present, and it is step by step in a way that I can actually get it. So, I just want to say a huge thank you. And so the fact that you then took all that you are, all those skills and all that you built and put this into this new book, I just want the audience to hear it's called two weeks notice. You guys find the courage to quit your job, make more money, work where you want and change the world. I mean, could you have, I think you just wrote it for my audience.
0: Basically, (laughs) When you invited me on the show, I thought. Oh, this is such a gift because these are the women that I wanted to talk to, women and men that I wanted to talk to the most because I feel like I could make a difference here. So this is a gift to me. Thank you so much.
1: I mean, such a difference. I mean, and you're such a young human being. I'm like, what else is going to come from you over the next 50, 60 years of you being in business? (laughs) I don't know, but I'm so here for it. So I feel like before we dive into the book, just in case anyone's been living under any rock and they don't know exactly what it is that you are currently doing and how you got there, I think we should give them a a short version of how you personally did just what you're teaching. You quit a job in order to build a really robust, very passion, thriving business, and then we'll get into the book itself and we'll talk about all the wisdom that's there.
0: Okay, so... Here's a quick little synopsis of kind of what I'm all about. So I often call myself an ex-corporate girl where out of college I got in my first nine to five job and I was climbing that corporate ladder and I kind of teased that I was really, really good at it. So I like to have a steady paycheck, paid vacation, all the benefits. I like to be told what to do and then do it even better and get the rewards and the promotions and the ad girls. Like I was good at being a corporate girl. But then something happened, and I talk about this early in the book, that I realized I have never been free, and I want to experience that. I want to be my own boss. I don't want to be told what to do, when to do it, or how to do it. And I just want this freedom more than anything. So that's when I left my last corporate job, which was with Tony Robbins, where I was the director of content development. And I left my last corporate job to start my own business 14 years ago. So today, I primarily help people build businesses online by specifically helping them grow an email list, which I believe is the most important asset in your business, and also take your knowledge, know-how, and skill set and turn that into profitable digital courses. So that's kind of like my specialty, but essentially I help people build businesses online. So that's what I do today and it's been a pretty wild ride.
1: It's incredible. And I want to just highlight a few
0: of those things, but
1: starting with this piece of, I realized I wasn't free. I've never been free. I mean, that is such a giant understanding of like where you're at in your life and look how much was on the other side for you, right? Talk about freedom. I mean, you now happily employ many people. You're now reaching millions of people across the world and have thousands and thousands and thousands of happy clients and alumni, who, right? All of that was on the other side of the first awareness of, I haven't been free. And you talk in the book about the concept of unbossing. Uh, so because you said that, let's go there first. Good. What is that about when we can finally not just like have this little whisper saying, maybe I should quit, but you fully see like, what is this costing me? And how can I,
0: Unboss. <laughs> okay. We need to talk about this. So my good friend Gabby Bernstein, she came up with that term. I think it was already out in the world, but we were chatting and she's like, You're talking about unbossing. I'm like, Yes, that's the word. So here's how it came about for me. When I was young, I had a really strict dad. It was his way or the highway. So from my very, very beginning memories, I had a boss that told me what to do, and I was not ever going to question that. Right. Then I go into the corporate world and I have tons of bosses, usually men. And so I have been very familiar with having somebody tell me what to do and also wanting to impress somebody so I can get something out of that, like the promotions totally. and all of that. Sure. So that was just my norm. And then fast forward to the day that I leave my last corporate job and start my own business. And I look around and think, wait a second nobody is telling me what to do. And although that's what I wanted, it was very foreign to me and very scary. And every emotion of unworthiness, am I capable of doing this? Do I have what it takes? Just came to the surface like in the biggest way possible. And if you fast forward a few years into my business, I was going at it alone, had almost hit a million dollar year. It was like three, four years, four years into my business, almost hit a million dollar year, which I was doing really well. And at that time I decided to take on a partner. It was a guy in my industry that was doing also really well. He suggested to become a 50, 50 partner in my business. I'd like to tell you, I sat on it for weeks and thought about it and researched it one night sleep. I said, yes. And it was almost like I had a boss again. Now, it wasn't his fault. He was a genius. He was wonderful. We did wonderful, big things together. But I went right back into boss mode. Every time something didn't go well, I looked at him like, what are we going to do? When I was confused, I went to him to get answers. When I was worried, I went to him. When I wanted to get praise, I went to him. I'm embarrassed to tell you all of this, but I literally went back into having a boss just mentally until the day that I didn't, and that's a whole other story for another day, and I talk about it in the book. But my point being is that I had to learn how to unboss myself. And unfortunately, it was a few years into being my own boss that I learned how to do it. And it's this concept of believing that you are capable of leading yourself and nobody else needs to lead you. You don't have to have all the answers, but you will figure it out. You can troubleshoot anything, you are resourceful, You do not need anyone. For me, the truth was, I realized I didn't need a man to guide me. It's not that case for everybody, but for me, it really, really was. So unbossing is a huge part of learning how to be your own boss.
1: It's so interesting. And I know that this is like a very deep example, but I was just talking last night to my rabbi who lives in Jerusalem. And he said to me something about... Everyone knows the story of how like Jews were in Egypt and then it took these 40 years to like get to the promised land. And he said, did it ever dawn on you that that should be like a three day trip? Like it's not far. So why did it take 40 years? He said, it took all those generations to get out of the mentality that they were working for these Egyptians, right? Tell- they were always being told what to do so that they would have this feeling of being able to like be in
0: charge. Isn't that a great, he just said that to me last night. Actually a beautiful, very deep way of looking at it. And it's so true. It's exactly what I'm talking about.
1: So it's like, it's huge what you're saying. And I feel like what happens is we go to school and we're not taught how to think we're taught what to think. You know, you memorize things, you're wanting to get the grade, just like you want your dad's approval or any, anyone else's approval. And then you forget somewhere along the way that you can trust yourself or that you have this thing called intuition or that you've been given something called creativity and ingenuity. And it's like, you don't even trust it anymore. So you just give over the keys to your life to someone else. So now let's keep going because the book does such a good job of exploring, I think what are really like the most difficult questions that come up in all this so let's say somebody's like, okay, Amy, I just got the biggest epiphany from what you just said. I knew I was going to do this, but I really am going to do this now. But it's scary because let's say they're like, I have no sense of what I'm going to go do. So if yes. I give two weeks notice, I think I think I might actually like put my family in jeopardy because we yes. won't have. So what really is the sort of, what do you think is the runway so that we can give 2 weeks notice but do it without feeling like we're risking what we really
0: need so there's some stability is there yes. a way to do that or is Absolutely. it all or nothing okay. no because i am not a risk taker i need stability and so i kind of outline in the book how i did it and give a few other examples of how someone else might do it but i'll tell you my own personal story looks like this i was in that in this meeting where i realized i didn't have freedom and i wanted freedom right. and i kind of had that realization from that moment when I realized it, it was a year until I actually left my last nine to five job. And in that year, I did a few different things that helped me. Now, when people are listening, let me just tell you, you could do it in three months. You could do it in six months. You could do it in a year. I'd rather you not take more than a year. I don't think that is necessary. And I think that's when fear really starts to set in even more. So, Whatever your timeline is, there's a few things you must do. Number one, you've got to get clear on your why. Why do you want this? In the beginning, my why was I didn't want to be told what to do, when to do it, or how to do it. I didn't want to be on someone else's time or someone else's dime. I wanted to call the shots. I wanted that more than anything. I was very clear on my why. What's interesting, when you become an entrepreneur, build your business, start helping people, your why changes. When I get up in the morning, I'm thinking about that woman in a cubicle that I know I can help her get out of that. She's my why now. But in the beginning, I didn't know that. I was my why. So I think it's fine to be selfish in the beginning. So first, you gotta get clear on your why. Number two, you gotta choose your exit date. This might seem like a little simple task. It means everything. If it's not scheduled, it is not real. And so what I did is I chose a date Wrote it on a post-it note, put it on a mirror where I could see it every single day. And I didn't just look at it every day. I asked this question, what do I need to do today to move me closer to that date so I stick to my commitment? And it might have been a phone call, a podcast to listen to, a book. I bought a digital course, whatever I wanted to learn or know, that's what it looked like. And I want to stop right there and tell you a quick little story. When I was still at my job at Tony Robbins, there was this woman online that um, was building her business. She was a few years in and she had the exact business that I wanted. She had digital courses. She was doing cool things on social. I loved everything about her. So I sent her a message and I said, I know you don't offer this, but can I pay you for an hour of your time to talk about your business? I want to know how you did it because I want to do the same thing. And she said, yes. Mm. So. I paid her, but what was so funny is that I was at my Tony Robbins office and the walls were thin. You could hear everything. I got under my desk at my lunch hour. (laughs) And I'm thinking, if someone comes in, they're going to think I'm crazy. And I'm like whispering on the phone because I didn't tell anyone I'm leaving yet. And so that's how that went. But that was one of the things I needed to do that day to move me closer to that exit date. And so the exit date is important. The post-it small little thing is really valuable. Amazing. That was one thing. And then after you choose your exit date, the next thing I want you to do is I want you to look at your finances because money anxiety is a real thing. I don't want you leaving and then not being able to pay your bills or being terrified of paying the mortgage or whatever it might be. And so looking at your finances and getting very honest about how much money do I need to make, let's say, the first year out to cover the bills, cover the necessities. You're not going to go on vacation your first year as an entrepreneur. Likely, you're probably not going to put in those beautiful wood floors. You're not going to like be living the life just yet. But that is the year that you buckle down. You likely make some sacrifices because you want it that bad. So let's get honest about our finances. Now, what you're not going to do is save tons and tons of money. Most of us never do. So I tried to, I said I would, the day I left, I might've had 30 days of living in my bank account, but I thought if I don't go now, I'm never going to go, but getting clear on your finances, very valuable. The last thing I'll say is I love the idea of starting a side hustle and just getting something going on the side, mornings, nights, weekends, while you're still in your nine to five job, making a little money on the side, just to see what you might like to do. I think that goes a long way.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And I want to just again give you a shout out because I was for ten years I was a songwriter in L.A. Writing that's songs right. for yeah, I was writing songs for like Grey's Anatomy and Pretty Little Liars and McDonald's commercials. And I thought it was amazing that I was making let's say three hundred fifty or four hundred thousand dollars. I think Billboard even published that I was making that much money, and that was like insane. That's a lot of money. Yeah, it was great, yeah. right? And then I was pregnant with my third daughter and I was like, oh my gosh, I have three kids and every time I want to make money, I have to write an amazing song, not a good song, an amazing song. So for every 40 songs, there'd be one that was so good that that would be the one. And I thought, gosh, I wish there was something else that I could do. And a friend of mine said, do you know this woman, Amy Porterfield? And I said, no. And she said, you have a successful songwriting business and you could teach people that. And I was like, "Are you serious? I don't know. And she's like, yeah, for everything you do, there's a line of people around the block who want to know how you do what you do. You've licensed how many songs? I said, maybe close to 200. And she's oh like, gosh. that is something other people would love to do two of those yes. in a lifetime. So I took your class while I was pregnant. And I thought, okay, if I could do this, then I can change my life. I don't have to always be on the hook to have this incredible, inspired, you know, amazing song. And maybe I could do something else that would actually serve people. And so I started a class and I had a due date. I had a deadline because I wanted to have this going by the time the baby was born. And Amy, I will tell you that the first year the class made 800 grand. The second year it made $2 million.
0: I am dying. Okay. what
1: in the world. It's insane. And then on top of that, my songwriting student, another girl named Amy, Amy Loftus, she said to me, this is a podcast. This should be a podcast for any creative who wants to know how to turn a creative thing into a business as you did with songwriting. So I started a podcast and then that went crazy. And look at where I am. So I was not going to give up this songwriting agency. I was writing songs and pitching songs. And I was like, this is what I'm going to be doing forever. And uh, after 10 years, I was like, is there something else? And oh my gosh, that digital course gave me so much freedom. And then from that, I started a podcast. That is what led me to start a podcast, not the other way around.
0: Hold on. I got to say something about this, that I just kind of had this big realization. So I got to be a little, I'm just going to say this a little part of your journey and look what you've done. I mean, people love you. You and, and your business is so dramatically different now. That's another thing I love. I want people to see that That's where true. you started, you have dramatically changed it, still making tons of money, huge impact, but it's different. Where you start does not need to be the end-all be-all, so take the pressure off. But also, I feel so lucky that I got to be a little part of your journey, so sweet. and the people that are listening imagine how that feels if you don't put yourself out there if you don't start this business that you know you want to start you might not be able to help somebody get to do amazing things in this world like it is your duty it is your responsibility to step up my friend and so i love that story it is wild you have no idea the dividends and so here's my next
1: question for you which is something you actually helped me with but I want to hear how you would answer it today. If somebody okay. is sitting there now and they're like, great, I think I have a sense that I could be building this alongside what I have going on now that feels really good. That's also very like incentivizing. What about not knowing what the heck to choose? Like, I yeah. feel like in my scenario, it was a little bit clearer, but sometimes people don't know. What would you say to someone who's multi-passionate or someone who's just not sure if they have something they can monetize without being employed by someone else?
0: Okay. So the first thing I'll say is that there's so many different business models. You could create courses, memberships, masterminds, physical products, all the different things. So the first thing is you've got so many really fun, exciting options. I go through them in the book and I kind of break them all down, but I want to talk to you about the sweet spot. This is kind of how I figured out what I was going to do. And now what I teach my students. And when you said like yours was kind of obvious, actually, most people don't think that whatever they have is obvious, right? So- The first thing there's four quadrants. The first quadrant is what are you good at? What do you do? What do people ask you about? What are you doing in your business now? What are you doing in your personal life that people are like, how do you get your picky little eater toddler to eat all these delicious foods? Tell me more. Like where in your life are people really wanting to know more and where have you gotten results? First thing you want to think about. Number two, or quadrant two, is if you think about who you want to serve, because typically we kind of know, I'd love to help people like this. What are they struggling with? What are their challenges? What keeps them up at night? Because what you're good at or where you've gotten results needs to be the solution for the people that you want to serve. So those two are really aligned. The third quadrant is where are people spending money? So if you think about what you do, do people spend money on books, podcasts, digital courses, other things where they want to know about that topic or learn about that topic? Because that's obviously something that we need to make sure that you can make money with it. And the fourth quadrant, the most important, is what lights you up. What brings you joy? Let's not create a business around something you're really good at, you hate talking about and you don't want to go down that road. One time I created a whole digital course on something that I was so over that it never even hit the light of day because I'm like, what am I doing? So just be careful of the mistake of pursuing something just because you're good at it, but you don't love it. This is so helpful.
1: I love that you ended with that. I think that that is something not everybody says when they're on the show, like they're focusing (laughs) on revenue and business, which is great but you don't want to put your ladder against the wall that doesn't light you up, right? So something else you talk about in the book and you mentioned it earlier was this idea of having an email list. And while that can seem kind of like inside baseball or like, why is she doing a whole thing on it in the book? Something I want to highlight and then I want to ask you more about it. I want to highlight how I was able to grow that course initially is because- I have now said so many different ways. I've kind of learned that intimacy is everything. Intimacy is currency, it's velocity, it's everything. And when I started this second business, which was teaching people, which turned into content and podcasts, I didn't have an Instagram account. It was actually a good thing. I wasn't famous out in the world because I was a B2B business. I was writing songs for Paramount and I was writing songs for Lionsgate. I wasn't on tour like any of these other songwriters. So I didn't really have an audience in terms of social media, but I had a group of human beings that I knew and some of them were in the arts and were songwriters. And the very first time that I put out the word that I was going to do this class, 147 people bought it. And it was at that time, it was 997. So I made 147 grand in a night. I said to my husband, that's half of what I make every year. And this is easy. So I didn't even have one social media follower. In fact, I didn't start a social media account until after I launched my podcast. After, after I even launched it in 2017, I was already making a couple million dollars a
0: year with no social media. Well, who were these people then buying? How did they know about you?
1: because I was looking for where are songwriters hanging out. And I just sort of followed where my customers were hanging out. And so, So I mean, I can go into those details, but like one example was there's a place in LA where I still live called the hotel cafe where a lot of us used to perform. So I called James, who was the booker who had a list of songwriters. And I said, can I do a workshop there when it's dark, which it was always dark during the day. Nobody uses a venue like that on sunday yes. at noon and so i did a free workshop and a bunch of those people were like this is amazing i'm in so i would do stuff like that i would find out where songwriters were hanging out I, that's where i hang that's i where love
0: happened. scrappy i think oh yeah listening that might pick up my book i want you to know that i applaud scrappy i don't think we need to do it perfect I don't think it needs to look beautiful. I think it needs to get done. Mm -hmm. And you calling over there saying, can I do it when it's dark is a perfect example.
1: But it's really to your point. I don't think that people have a sense that I think it's it's really a myth that in order to start a business, I would first need a hundred thousand Instagram followers. It's like not a thing, but tell us what is the thing. And okay. tell us about that email list, because the fact that you decide to talk about it in this book, when there's so many other important pillars, means yeah. it's really, it's really essential. So is. why is it so important? And what's, you, you teach a whole bunch of stuff on this, but what's one thing people might start today that they could actually get that going?
0: Okay, so I believe that your email list is the most important asset in your business. And let me give you a quick example, and then I'm going to tell you kind of how to get started. Okay. So do you remember last year when Facebook and Instagram went down? It was like totally black, and no one could get on. It was almost like, hello, is anyone out there? It felt like the world had ended for a moment. It did. So that morning I had sent out an email about a product that I had and I sent it to a small segment of the list and within hours we had like six thousand dollars on a very inexpensive product just like that on a day that I could not use social media. And I say that, and I didn't want to use an example where I'm like, I made a million dollars. I'm just talking about a few thousand dollars in a really quick minute because I have a viable email list. And so that is what gives you certainty and confidence in your business, knowing you always have an asset that you can use to not only add value, which you will do on a regular basis, but also make money. That is where I make the bulk of my revenue is through my email list. And so do all of my students. And so The reason why I always say an email list is so much more valuable than social media is because social media is rented land. If you are counting only on Instagram followers and likes, you are literally building your business on rented land. Mark Zuckerberg changes that algorithm. Mm -hmm, Elon mm -hmm. buys Twitter. Boom. Everything changes. And so do not put all your eggs in one basket there. So to have an email list means that you have a viable business that can make you money consistently. And to get started with an email list, the first thing I want you to think about is what could I give away that people would be like, "Ooh, that is so valuable. I'd even pay for it. It's so good. And it could be as simple as a PDF guide, a cheat sheet, a checklist, a 20-minute meditation audio, a video teaching someone how to do something. Maybe you do knitting and you're teaching someone on video how to get started. Whatever it is but you give this thing away for free, of course, in exchange for name and email. That is the first place I want you to start. And you're putting it everywhere. You're talking about it regularly. You're posting about it in the bio of your social media. When you're meeting someone, I remember, Years ago, 14 years ago, I met Marie Forleo, who's now a dear friend, but I met her in a hallway at a marketing event. And we were chatting. (laughs) We were the first ones there. And I told her, I'm really struggling with getting my business started. And she wrote down a URL and she ripped it off in her notebook and she handed it to me. And she's like, go get my freebie. It's going to show you how to get started. Stop. Yes. And like that's the kind of scrappiness I love. But you've got to have something of value to give away for free in exchange for name and emails. I think the best time to start your email was yesterday. So the best next time is today. That's how important I think it is.
1: Hmm. It's so good. And I love this concept because I think people don't really often understand what sales is. And I have found through everything I've ever done that it is about making deposits. Right. And so that free thing, right? It's like, if you're focused on investing in people and showing up and being generous, Yep. eventually they're going to want the next thing. And I think that's actually because most people that I meet and most people listen to the show are very empathetic. Like they're wired into integrity. So this makes sense. It's like, you don't have to prove yourself and talk about what you're selling if you're giving consistently and that's really what you're saying is find somewhere where you can give and give something even before the people come in that makes yes. them want to be there and make things that are valuable and i think that's such a shift i think people shy away from anything that has to do with sales because they don't understand that it's about service and what you just said is a very concrete way of understanding like here's the system of where you're going to keep putting into that fertilizer and keep giving to that land. And eventually there'll be a harvest.
0: Yes. I love that. I love that you put a spin on that around. You don't have to sell, sell, sell. Like many of the women I work with, they're like, I don't want to be aggressive online. I don't want to keep selling. I don't want to tell people buy my stuff. And you're right. We don't have to do that. You have to just add immense value from the get-go. And people will literally ask you, this is so good. What else do you have? Like, tell me
1: more. And this is good because it brings me to the next thing I want to talk about in your book. But I want to tell you, and this is all all true. This is all true. This morning, I was talking about you (laughs) uh, to a friend of mine. And I was saying that your podcast, separate from everything else I've already mentioned, I said, when I first started listening to your podcast five, six years ago, I remember thinking, this is just not, no exaggeration. I cannot believe this is free. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking this is a masterclass and I'm taking notes. I, I realized very early on, I cannot listen to you in the car. Cause I'd have to pull <laughs> over like such a dork, like writing things down. So then I would literally sit there and I would be geeking out because episode after episode I was like oh my god if this is what she gives and gives for free what in the actual hell could happen if I paid <laughs> for something I'm serious which is why I've become such a proponent of podcasts because it's like talk about intimacy and connection right but what you do is you have a podcast and then what what else do you do you give again you're like now I'm going to give you this thing come on my email list and you'll get more from me right so yeah. it's it's basically like a business built on giving over here and giving over here. And then there's just this obvious next thing, which is I'm already being filled up so much. I want the next thing. So where I was going to go with this is you talk in the book about developing this price and launching Mm -hmm. offers. And I feel like now that we've laid that groundwork, people are more comfortable to talk about being paid. Okay. Once we established what's just like consistent in how you serve and you give value. Okay. Okay. But even still, Amy, I talk to thousands and thousands of women every single month. So many people come through our inbox and DMs and there is like an allergy to charging. It is like, these are the women who are on the Girl Scout committee. They're the cookie <laughs> chair. They yes. stay at the church all night long. But like, God forbid, like, I don't want to charge. And so I'm just at a place where I'm like, we need women with checkbooks. Yes. This just has to happen. I've just had it. Right. When I talk to my friend, Britt Morin, and she tells me how many women are actually CEOs. I'm like, no, no, no. What what, what is happening here? No, 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 no. We make up half the population. Let's go. Let's get our stuff together. So what do you say to people about getting really clear? Here's my offer. Here's the price. I'm putting
0: it out there. Like,
1: how do you help people to just step
0: in? Okay. So the first thing I want to say is that we've got to get really comfortable talking about the fact that we want to make money. And yeah. I am one of the first people to say, I love to make money. I also, and I feel like it's such a bummer I have to say this to like justify, I love to give away money. I love to be charitable. But at the end of the day, I like to make money. And I think a lot of women are like, oh my gosh, is they're not comfortable with that. And I got to tell you a quick story. So You're years right. and years ago on the podcast, I talked about having my first million dollar year and one of my good friends, Brooke Castillo, she tells this story, so I'm not telling it for her. She was listening to my podcast. And at the time, she was making about 300000 in her business. And she heard me say I made a million dollars. She's like, what? A, a million dollars? I could make a <laughs> million dollars in my business? And so when she heard that, she told me, she said, I decided... I'm also going to make a million dollars. And so the next year she went to work and she made probably more than a million dollars. But today, this in 2022, so the end of 2022, she made $50 million in her business with an incredibly healthy profit margin. So, and that's more money than I make. And I feel like I make good money and I'm like, whoa. So what if I didn't put it out there that look what I've done, look what is possible She wouldn't have heard that. And maybe she would have made the money in a different way, but I'm just saying it's important we talk about the fact that yes, we want to earn money and yes, we deserve to. So that aside, let me talk about making these offers. If you are not making money in your business, you have a hobby and you are worthy of having a full-fledged legitimate business just like the other girl or just like the other guy. And so we can't have this hobby. We need to have a business. And when you make money in your business, When people, this is not always true. There's some people that are unique in this, but most people, when they pay, they pay attention. And I think it's important that people put skin in the game so that they are showing up and they're making it work. This last year, I did a paid workshop where I always do free workshops. And I could not believe the amount of engagement in my workshop because people paid $37 to be there versus nothing. And then I couldn't believe how many people wanted to buy my product. 25% of those people wanted to buy a $2,000 program from me where when it was free, 5% wanted to buy. There's something about putting skin in the game and investing in whatever it is you're doing. So I think it's important that your audience invests in what you're doing. It's also important that you make money so you can do better in the world. You could do good in the world, whether you want to donate it, add legacy to your family, whatever. And if you're not charging for it, you are not in that game. You are on the sideline. And like you said, we got to get more women off the sideline and in the game because we should be ruling the world.
1: Yeah. No, it's so true. Seth Godin is like a mentor, father figure to me. And I remember him and he's like the sweetest, most genuine person. And he said to me, I think he said this on one of the podcasts and he said, we used to give scholarships and we stopped because quite often those people wouldn't even come. So I thought, wait, I thought I was trying to help you, but in a way, because when my husband always says, when you go to a basketball game and you get a free t-shirt, you're not necessarily going to value it. Right. Yes. So yes. There's definitely something about that. And you're absolutely right. I think another piece of it is, you know, when I took your class, not only was I paying for something, so I was going to get the homework done, but by you charging it, I felt what you were saying is, I really am telling you this is possible. Like I'm telling you that you're trading. I think at the time it was like two grand, right? This $2,000 I wound up making $41 million in digital courses in the next five and a half years. So really like, I'm dying. I know. So I really, and I think I've written to your team like three times, like use me anytime. Like okay. I'm happy. I to hope something. we are.
0: And I've thought that too. I was like, please like, tell me she's one of our testimonials. I think maybe once they used it for something. I was like, no, no, circle okay. back. Thank circle you. Circle back.
1: Cause yeah, <laughs> but like. The point is, if you really believe like Deepak Chopra was here, he said his last book is on abundance. And he said, every acorn is the promise of thousands of forests. And so if you really believe in what's possible for someone else, why wouldn't you say, here we go? This is what this costs, right? So I think really, if you're not wanting to charge on some level, you don't believe in what's possible for someone else.
0: Ooh, that's, yeah, we need to pause on that one. If you're not willing to charge, maybe you don't believe that somebody else can actually get the results, change their life, do better, whatever it is. And that's something to look at because they absolutely can, but there's some kind of limiting belief in that.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because I mean, we're both girls and like I like buying a pair of Manolo Blonics. I Amen. get a charge
0: out of getting charged <laughs> that
1: amount. I don't, I want to go to Veronica Beard. Like there's a time and a place to go to Target. I enjoy it. I have three kids. <laughs> we're at Target all the time. My kids the other day, I said, would you want to go to Disneyland or Target? They said, Target, like we're okay. a fan.
0: I'm, I'm not dying. I'm not saying you- we're not. I love that. My little niece, when she was little, she was playing around in the family room and I'm like, what are you doing? And she had all these little things and she was bringing (laughs) them to one place. And she says, I'm at target. I'm making returns. And I'm like, Oh geez. (laughs) But like, while that's all part of
1: like, you know, life and it's great. I don't have the same energetic, like level of satisfaction walking out of there than I do when I'm like oh my god this jacket even if I only wear it once a year because I live in LA like this jacket like changes my life right (laughs) so I feel like this is a conversation and you know what as we're talking about it I've done 700 episodes I'm uncomfortable having this conversation this piece like when this has come up like this this is hard because there is so much shame. There is just so much shame. And meanwhile, you guys, the men, they're just raising venture capital, making Jeez. money left and right. And guess what? It takes a checkbook to have a vote. So then you sit here and you go, what are we actually doing? Who am I actually serving by not having more money? Like, How does me having less
0: really serve my neighbor? Oh my gosh, it's so true. And I'm gonna say something that's even equally more uncomfortable, I actually. Oh, good. I can't wait. But the same woman I was talking about, Brooke Castillo. Do you know Brooke Castillo Life Coach School? She's Absolutely. When amazing. you said the million dollars, I was like, the woman probably now makes one zillion. So yeah. I'm like, how long ago was this? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. She She's a baller. And so I got to have drinks with her and we were sitting down and she has for many years, she doesn't do social media a lot. Now she is, but she wasn't doing social media a lot and she wasn't on a lot of stages, but still a baller in her business. And I said, right now you're like on every stage. I'm seeing you everywhere. You're getting invited to these really fancy masterminds. A lot of the guys that are in our industry are wanting her on stage and all of that. And I'm like, why? And so this is the uncomfortable part. She says, Amy, I make a lot of money. And it opens a lot of doors when people see you making money. They, and this is not necessarily true, but it's real. She's legit. She knows what she's doing. She's got it going on. Let's open doors for her and invite her here. Ask her that. And the opportunities she has in front of her are crazy. And so I don't know if it's that's a great thing, but it is reality. And if you want to be invited and get on those stages and do those things, you got to show up in a big way. That doesn't mean you need to make 50 million dollars, but money does talk. And that's yeah. uncomfortable, I know, but when she told me that I was like, "Ooh, I don't know how I feel about that, but that is real." Yeah. Another thing that's
1: real and you talk about that this in the book is this superwoman syndrome. Yeah. And one thing that's kind of related is how long it took me to learn how to lead in my business. And by lead, I mean, really allow people to support me. Okay. Mm -hmm. And also hire people who can do it better than me in certain ways. Yes. Because boy, I remember saying to Danielle Laporte one day, like I was just exhausted and she's like, oh yeah, people are going to tell you you're crushing it. They're actually going to praise you for being a workaholic. you're going to get, and I was like, yeah, that's what happens. I get praised for it. She's like, yeah, it's disgusting. Like there is no reward. There's no prize for being the most exhausted version of yourself. And that's you how never. I was. That's how I was. I would get pneumonia, I get shingles. I mean, oh. look at the money I'm making. And I have three kids as if it's some badge of honor. So let's talk about how we can just sort of go in with our eyes open, knowing that like, we don't want to be super We want to yes. actually have a healthy, thriving business and life. What are some of the things that you learned about that
0: and how could we maybe go in with that? One of the things I wish I did earlier on was actually hire support and help. I was seven years into my business before I hired my first full-time employee. I had contractors and some people helping me, but the business looks very different when you have some full-time employees that are dedicated to your business. And I was afraid thinking two things. Number one, what if I can't afford them? Like that is a, a really real sure. thing that comes up. And then usually you can't afford them. You're just a little bit afraid and holding onto your money tight and very normal. And number two, I had this thought that no one could do it as good as I can. And as so much ego in that. And what I've learned along the way and what I'd like to teach my students earlier than what I learned is that there are people in my business today doing stuff that is way better than what I would do. I have someone in my marketing team that can run circles around me when it comes to analytics and numbers. Like she knows her numbers like that. She could literally own this business. I think that is amazing. Now, I could let that intimidate me like, oh my gosh, I can't have someone on my team that's better but then I don't go that route. I think that is so amazing. Good on me that I found someone that incredible. So building a team is the only way for you to let go of the hustle mentality and you to scale that business, the business that you're creating. So building a team earlier on, you don't need to do it right away, but it is something that it changes everything.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk about one piece of that before you're ready to build that team. But I'm so glad you said so because it's very humble, but it's also really helpful to hear because I think you probably could have had more people full-time earlier than seven years. It also, it took me many years also to go from contractors to full-time. So I I really know exactly what you're talking about. I think it's really helpful because success leaves clues. That's great that you shared that. But one thing that you are really good at, you're really, really good at it is marketing. And you have a whole podcast on teaching people how to do that, especially online. And eventually you were able to find someone who even impresses you, which is amazing. But for people listening right now, one thing that comes up every single day in my inbox is they'll say, okay, fine, I did it. I started an Etsy shop, or I did it. I decided to start organizing services. And Kath, I don't know how to market this thing. Is there mm. some like special person to hire? And I'm like, whoa, before you oh, hire yes. someone, I need you at this level of revenue and this level of business. And there's so much low-hanging fruit that people just don't even understand is right on their in front of their feet. What are some of the things when you're going to start this business so people can start to do this while they build that side hustle that you would say are sort of the top two or three things that you're going to start to do to market once you have your gluten-free cake pops you're selling or you have an online course, whatever it is. What are a few of those go-to things people can do?
0: Okay, I love that you're asking this, and I think it's important that you do it before you hire it out. You gotta understand it before you give it to someone else. So I love that, and we're gonna back up a little and say, okay, before we even hire anyone, which is gonna come down the road, one of the first things that you've got to focus on is content creation. Content is queen, it is everything. I remember when I first started working for Tony Robbins, they put me in the content department. I didn't even understand the word content. That was right. very foreign to me. And I remember I was watching a Kim Kardashian, like keeping up with the Kardashians. And she mentioned, <laughs> I've got to create content. And I'm like, what is this word? Like, it's so foreign. And so now I realize that everything is content if you want it to be. And so that means that we have to be willing to put ourselves out there and start talking about the business we're creating, the message that we have, the products that we do, and behind the scenes, what it looks like to get it all together. You know, I'm not someone who shares everything in the kitchen sink online. I have a husband that does not love that. He would really love me to put the camera away, quite honestly. And so it's not like every minute I'm filming my life and kind of putting it out there, although some people do it and it works so well, I'm kind of jealous, but that's just not my my thing. But I definitely want to take people behind the scenes, share with them what it's like to be an entrepreneur, the wins, the losses, everything in between, and then talk about my products as well. So when I say creating content, what I mean in a very basic way is I think everyone should either start a podcast or a blog or a video show, or at least do like a live Instagram once a week. Now, that was the key there, once a week. I think it's important to have consistency from the get-go, something I did not have for the record, and I struggled. Once a week, putting out original content so it puts you on the map. People know what you're known for. They understand what you're about. That's the thing that kind of tends to be very inconsistent in the beginning, but it's everything. Like, I don't know about you, but my podcast is my business. Like, without my podcast, I would not be able to see the success I have today. Do you feel the same way? Oh my gosh, my podcast is the single greatest thing I've ever done for my Amen. business. It was yes. like
1: rocket fuel, you know, it was just so huge. Now I will say that something that I I just have learned and I think it was ingrained in me from you, which was so helpful because it was a year bef- and a half before I even started a podcast was even with that content, I didn't expect to go right to a sale. It's like, I was already in a zone where I knew that with my listeners, as much as I loved that they were already there and we had this subscriber base and they were consistent, I still wanted to give them yet another thing before I would even tell them about what they could buy. And so what is amazing is I will do like a five-day launch. I'll do it like three or four times a year. And those podcast listeners will come, which is awesome. But I think sometimes people think, okay, great. I posted content, now I'm going to offer you the product. And it's like, it's kind of like, to use a crass example, it's like foreplay. It's like, just really be in it. Like, really (laughs) show up for it with no pressure. And it's amazing, the dividends of just like, just show up. And so I, I think that you maybe could say something about that because I think people will then say, well, I put up content, now? Now can I sell? And I think that there is a real sort of finessing to that. And if you do it right, oh my gosh, people are just so grateful for you. And you feel like you're in integrity because the truth is when I do those five day launches, we'll have 10, 20,000 people show up. Most of those people don't buy my course, right? Maybe a thousand of them do. I'm in love with the process. I'm like, this is my sermon on the mount. I'm happy to do this. This is what I came for. I want to give away this level of an, you know, of, of content. So can you say a little bit about that? Because I think people still don't really understand how much depositing needs to be happening. And so when you say content, you give content and then yes, it affects your business, but
0: what happens in that process? Do you think? Okay. That's where the magic happens. That's where the no like and trust factor happens. Marketing 101. That's where the love, the intimacy is going to come from. And so I love that you brought this up. It's not enough to put up a few blog posts or a few podcasts and then you're like, okay, buy my stuff. And the thing is, so I do webinars a lot and I do challenges and all of that, but I always say, this is a little different take on it. When I get to the part that I sell, and for me, like before I do a webinar, I'll do like 30 days of just goodness, then I'll do an hour and a half webinar, then I'll sell. And so when I get to the selling portion, in my mind, I believe I have earned the right to sell now because I have given the biggest part of me for a period of time and it feels good. And so when people struggle with selling online, there's something out of alignment where I, at that point, I am solid. I have earned this right. And I know what I'm doing is for the good. So there's something beautiful about building confidence up through giving immense value through content. Another thing is that Creating content and then getting into those conversations about what that content does for people. Maybe you put up a video on social and people are commenting and you're in those comments and you're engaging and learning about your audience. You know, when I came on your podcast before we even got started, you told me exactly who is listening. And in my mind, I thought, dang, she knows her audience well. Mm -hmm. You talked about this woman who's listening or this man as though they are your best friend. And that happens because you listen more than you talk. And I think that is important. You put out that content. Right. Now you kind of pay attention to what's working, what's not working, and, and how you can add even more value. So, so much of my business is content creation. It's a huge part. I have a content department now, and the podcast is two times a week. Like, it's a huge part. I add value and give content much more than I ever sell.
1: Yeah, you do. And it's really, really... It's so valuable. I just want to say for, on, beha- on behalf of all of us, thank you so much. <laughs> so so because I do feel like I, I know my audience because I care tremendously. You do. I'll tell you one thing that they really want and that they kind of need more than anything else okay. is getting over the fear of imposter syndrome. Ooh. I feel like I want to ask you about this as we're closing, because no matter how much I can teach them in terms of strategy content that leads to launching that leads to value and all of that. It's almost like until I can get them in a place where something turns on inside of them and they're willing to bet on themselves. And there's like that courage that comes before the confidence. It's almost irrelevant, like all of the things. And so I know that you've had thousands and thousands and thousands of people take your classes. And I'm curious from the people who you look at, who are able to cross that line and be successful, what do you feel is that mindset gap? What do you feel you see over and over that gets in somebody's way that you can help them set down?
0: Here's where I think the difference comes from. Somebody who gets into my world and they actually, let's say, quit their job, start their business, start doing it online versus someone that stands on the sideline and takes in all my stuff but doesn't do anything. They both have imposter syndrome. They both think, who am I to be doing this? They both think this is crazy and what will everyone think if I fail? They have the same fears and thoughts. The only difference between the one on the sidelines and the one that actually gets out there and does it and has success is they do it anyway. They do it afraid, they do it scared, they do it with all the doubts because they're very clear on what they want. They let their why pick them up and push them out when their worries knock them to the ground. And that literally is the only difference. They do it anyway. And the reason I think this is such an important message is because those that are listening, you are not different. You are not less than. You are not unworthy because you have feelings that you are not enough or you aren't capable. That is very normal. I still feel it almost every day. I'm putting a book out in the world and I feel naked and I feel people are going to be like, what, what, what is this girl doing? Totally. Yep. But I know that I have a bigger message and I can change lives with it. So I just do it anyway. So please know anyone listening that is, feels like, who am I to be doing this? Who are you not? Who are you not? Like you should absolutely, you are deserving of the kind of success that Kathy and I have talked about here today. And all I care about is that you go after it and you find it. Do it scared. That's my message. I mean, I love that you just said they both have imposter syndrome. I never
1: thought of it that way, but you're totally right. And just to bring up something I think is just so powerful that Seth Godin also said, he said, imagine if you were a lifeguard and you just started, it's your first day. And the guy who's been training you goes on lunch break. And just then this kid is in need. He's drowning. He said, you wouldn't sit there and say, well, I'm not that seasoned at this. I don't have the perfect (laughs) cross body hold. You would literally just show up the best you could. And one thing I want to say, and I know I've given you 1000 compliments, but I really mean them so genuinely. One thing I want to say about you, when I first started learning from you, you had been at it for a while, but it's not the way you have now. I mean, you've just, every year you've grown like thousands of light years more right in your confidence. But what I appreciated, not only did I learn a ton, a ton, but there was a warmth in like, I'm just a girl from Carlsbad. Like I was like, at the end of the day, I think what I realized for myself, when I got started, what I picked up from you more than even all the beautiful actual details that you gave me, which were both so valuable It was really this feeling of like, what do people really want? What's really impressive is like a really kind, present person. And then I'm going to do the best that I can. But isn't that ultimately like someone who just like makes good eye contact and does their best. I remember one time to give you just a specific, so you know, I'm not just saying it. I was on one of your Facebook lives and I asked you a question and something happened where it was like a tech thing or maybe my, my, I dropped or you dropped or something like that. You literally, you didn't know me. I was one of like hundreds of people in the class. You sent me an email with a video answering my question. And you were like, Hey, I just want to answer your question. I'm not sure if you were on the live, not sure. It was my side or your side. It was like an eight minute video. Oh, and I was like, (laughs) who cares this much about anyone, right? And I'm not saying that you have to do that or that your business can even sustain that at a certain point. But I think that when people feel what's coming from your heart, I think that so often we just discount that. And we somehow think that we need to have like this perfect something. And this there's just so much in being present and being kind and being cool. And it's just like, if you can be that plus give someone a little bit, It's so much, right? And so I think that we just need to appreciate that. I really appreciate that about you. So now tell us, as we're signing off,
0: where the hell do we buy this book? (laughs) Oh my goodness. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you for asking twoweeksnoticebook.com. That's where you go. Twoweeksnoticebook.com. I've got bonuses when you order the book. I've got tons of fun details. I've got a live virtual event when you order the book. So that's where you go. And thank you so much for asking. Oh my gosh. I
1: am so excited about this book. I'm going to shout it from the hilltops. (laughs) Definitely. I am here. Tap on me for any of the cheerleading you you could possibly want. (laughs) I will be like the equivalent of a thousand cheerleaders for you. Thank you, friend. Thank you for this. You look so in your most just radiant (laughs) like element. I'm just so happy for you that you're just like, just giving yourself and giving the world Just the best parts of you. And I can feel that you're just like really making sure your cup is full. I feel it. I feel how full your cup is. And I feel how much more that's even serving when you already had given so much. So I just feel like that is like so awesome to see viscerally.
0: So thank you. It means the world to me. I feel good and I'm most excited about this next chapter. So thank you so much. You're so welcome.
1: Oh my gosh, it was so fun to talk with her. Okay, here are the takeaways from Amy. Number one, you are capable of leading yourself. You don't need to have all the answers, but you will figure it out. Number two, if you don't put yourself out there, if you don't start this business that you know is inside of you, you might not be able to help somebody do amazing things in this world. It's your job, it's your responsibility to step up. Number three, your email list is the most important asset in your business. Number four, when people pay, they pay attention. It's important that they put skin in the game so that they show up and do the work. Your audience needs to invest in what you're doing. Number five, it's important that you make money so you can do better in the world. If you're not charging for it, you're not in that game. We need more women to come off the sidelines and get into the game because we should be running the world. Number six, treat your audience as though they're your best friend. Listen more than you talk. Pay attention to what's working, what's not working, and how you can add even more value. Number seven, the only difference between the one on the sidelines and the one that actually gets out there and has success is the one that actually does it anyway. They do it scared. They do it with all the doubts because they're very clear on what they want. They let their why pick them up, even when their worries knock them to the ground. Number eight, when you feel like, who am I to be doing this? Change the thought to, who am I not to be doing this? You should absolutely do it. You are deserving of success. Go after it and get it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this show was inspiring to you today. It's never lost on me that you spend your time here. I know just how busy life can be. So thank you. Thank you for being here. We have so many good episodes coming up. So please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. And also we would love to hear what you think about the show. So leave us a review, leave us a rating. It means so much. It helps other people find it. And if you'd like to win a $500 Nordstrom gift card plus a scholarship to my program, Abundant Ever After, just go to kathyheller.com slash share and just answer those few questions and let us know how you are, let us know what's going on, let us know how we can be of help to you, and you will be entered to win a $500 Nordstrom gift card. If you know someone who would appreciate this episode, you could always text them the link or share the podcast on your Instagram and tag me at kathy.heller. You could also tag Amy. She's at Amy Porterfield. I love you. I'll leave you with a song. Have an amazing weekend.